You're listening to Shift, Human First Financial Guidance with Ross Marino. Today, we are shifting the conversation with Penny Phillips, co-founder and president of Journey Strategic Wealth. Hello, Penny. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Glad you're on the show. You guys have been busy lately, growing, growing, growing. How about a quick update on what's going on with Journey? Sure. We launched in January of 2021, so we are almost two years old. We just added three wonderful advisory teams. Actually, last month, one in Richmond, Virginia, one in Salt Lake City, and one in Park City, Utah. So we've been very busy building and uh, having a great year. I, I know some of the people that joined. I just had a conversation with Mark Newfield, and uh, I, I'd love to open and discuss that because I just interviewed Mark, and, and I know Mark fairly well. And one of the questions I asked Mark is that his staff is all female. And I wondered, was that intentional? Was it a roadmap? Or did it just end up that way? And then, of course, as you and I were just chatting before the show here, you said someone noticed that you are now, uh, you had gender parity at Journey Strategic Wealth. So I would like to ask you a similar question. Was that a goal for gender parity? Did you end up there? How'd you guys end up with that? It's a great question. And it's so funny to me that people are surprised by that. It's indicative of how much work we still need to do in the industry, that that it's a talking point. But I have to tell you, it was not intentional. What was intentional when we launched the business was to lead with intention and compassion in every single conversation and engagement we had, whether that was with a prospective advisor, whether that was with a center of influence, whether that was with a tech partner that we were having a conversation with. We were obsessed with this idea of changing the ethos of uh, M&A engagements in our industry. And it, there's probably not another firm that's thinking that deeply about leveraging EQ in the M&A conversation. But for us, it was really important. And so when we launched the business, what we went to market with is this idea that, look, we're not in the RIA business or wealth management business. We are in the business of helping people and managing relationships and managing emotions, whether that means the advisor or the client, we just happen to deliver wealth management services in order to do that. And I think it was that message and that ethos that naturally attracted all different kinds of advisors. And so we are a firm that's equal gender wise in terms of advisors that are here as well as team members who work for, with us. It, it's great to hear. We're all well, maybe not we all, but uh, we, you and I, are, are certainly attuned to diversity. And uh, yes, it's it's important for the business. It's important for the world. It's important for profitability, for new ideas, for everything else. So it's always great to have that. But it is interesting how if you're just looking for the right people, um, they're, they're going to come from all over. They're not necessarily going to come from the normal track. So you you can't always do the normal business process. I remember interviewing someone that said, if you want diverse candidates, you have to go look in places you don't normally look. That's I'm right. Boy, right. What 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 a nugget of gold right there. Uh, but but you're not just trying to build something a little different. You're actually challenging the norms around what success looks like, and that's part of your message. Can you explain that? Sure. There there were a couple things that really. I'll say irked us about the business, which is part of why we started Journey. One of the things was that we, as an industry and as consultants, we tend to dictate success for the advisor, 
right? We've been telling advisors for years that in order to be successful, you got to go out, be independent, be a CEO, and get to a billion dollars in AUM. Like that's been the running dialogue in our industry. And if you didn't make that transition at some point from advisor to CEO, then, you know, you weren't ranked as one of the best advisors in the business. And especially during the pandemic, what we recognize, myself and and my partners, this is one of the things that brought us together, is that there's never been a more important time for advisors to be advisors. In other words, to double down on their technical competency, on what they do, on working with clients, on advising them, on helping them navigate chaotic times personally and professionally and in society, there's never been a more important time to be an advisor. So what we said to ourselves is, why don't we stop trying to get advisors to become, you know, business owner CEOs and recognize that what advisors want is flexibility to work with clients how they want. They want to own the business that they've built, but they don't necessarily want to be a C-suite executive. And so we double down on the idea of let's let advisors be advisors. Let's let them own equity in what they've built and let's do everything else for them behind the scenes. So that was one thing. The other thing that we were trying to change the industry's perception on is what I mentioned earlier, what the M&A process looks and feels like. We have said from the beginning, We are less focused on number of transactions and more focused on can we find alignment with firms that philosophically believe the same things that we do, um, have a human first approach to working with clients, um, do financial planning in the traditional sense, and want to create a happy life, not just for their clients, but for their teams and themselves. When you start having that conversation with advisors, you will quickly filter out the advisors and M&A folks who are just in it for the transaction or the money. And you will start finding people who are in it for all the right reasons. And that, that's the advisor that's right for us. That is so contrary to discussions that I've, I've had over <laughs> the years. <laughs> when you just said about you know the, the employee first and creating the human first, I'm actually thinking, I've never had this conversation. I've I've heard it from a marketing standpoint. That's right. But from the firm standpoint, and and I'm not saying you're the only one out there. Of course, I don't know everyone out there. But the typical messaging uh, may be customized for me, but the business isn't designed that way. So you d- you don't actually see it, even though there's a lot of lip service. I'll do quick quick story on my end. I remember one of the first times I had the conversation with the CEO of a roll up. And I was so excited to actually talk to the CEO and listen to the vision. And the first words out of this person's mouth, I'll make it as generic as possible, is, well, let me go over the payout because that, that's what everybody's interested in first. And I was so naive, I kind of froze. I thought, what? why would everybody talk about that first? Right. You, you, you want the, the lowest cost producer who's trying to bring you in there and will pay you the biggest on the back. And I mean, what, what kind of a business is that? You're you're hundred percent right. And as a former consultant, you know, I've spent my career consulting institutions and advisors before this venture. So I've sat in the M&A discussions as the consultant for the advisor. I've been part of these discussions from all angles and it always looks and feels very much the same. And so what we said is, what if while we're engaging in this discussion with an advisor, number one, we give them the power, meaning, most deals, obviously, the acquirer or the, the aggregator is coming to the table with the deal that works best for them and their margins. What if we said to the advisor, look, 
you need to think about where you are personally, where you are in the business life cycle, and here are all the ways in which we can engage with you. We can acquire you, we can partially acquire, we can just have you join us as a partner and not make any acquisition whatsoever. Here are the pros and cons of each. Take some time, talk to your family, talk to your team, decide where you are, and we can get we can get there to an acquisition at some point, but it doesn't have to be now. So number one, give the power, make them feel empowered through education about all the options that exist. Because by the way, I say this all the time, if you're a Gen X advisor and you got 20 something years left to build and somebody's offering you a check, it doesn't always make sense to take that check now. So that was the first thing. The second thing is when an advisor joins us with a team, each team member and their families become part of journey. So it was critically important that very early on, we got to know not just the advisor and their spouse and family, but each individual team member and their spouse and family. And we got to know the clients as well. And so in taking time and discovery to finding out what is each person that's joining our ecosystem want to personally and professionally achieve, having that level of understanding of one another has made this business feel totally different than any other organization than any of us have ever worked at. And, you know, my partners and, you know, we've been around the block in the industry. This feels different because we're building it differently. You referenced in, uh, you said a different presentation, the Vanguard number for the 300 bips of value, but you actually broke that down. Can you talk a little on that? Sure. And so the actual original study around advisor alpha, you can call it, or tangible value that an advisor, that a human gets from working with an advisor. The original study, I believe, came from Investnet, my alma mater, and it was the, the study was called Capital Sigma, and I highly recommend it. It was really groundbreaking research in our industry, and it was about the fact that if an if a investor or client is working with an advisor versus going at it alone with, let's say, a robo-advisor, there are 300 basis points of value, tangible value, added to their overall portfolio at the end of every year. Now, prior to this year, there was a percentage of that value that was attributed to behavioral coaching. A, a study was just redone by Vanguard this year that, that says actually 50% of that 300 basis points comes from behavioral coaching. So what does that tell us? That tells us that there is such power in having a person understand you deeply, help you manage your own emotional reactions to money and, and help you really engage in financial planning versus just investment management. And, and so it's just, it's serendipitous that this came out because we believe that all of our advisors are financial planners by trade and we help them deliver on all aspects of wealth management, including financial planning and investment management. Well, I'm a believer as well, as you know, which is why we have a new conference launching next year called Shift Human First Financial Guidance. We'll be there. Yep. Firm believer that the future of financial planning belongs to the financial planners who shift the conversation. Uh, Mark Newfield would be one of them. That's um, right. I know you know that end real well. A lot, lot of advisors are getting it. Um, we're just going to try to make a movement out of it, bring everybody together because uh, really that's the the deep value of financial planning comes when you connect on the human level. Um, there's some advisors that don't want to do that. And, and I can say this truthfully, I, I don't judge. You know, everybody has to build the business they want to and run the business that they're comfortable with. And, and that's okay. 
I couldn't do that. That's right. Uh, I want to connect. I want to know why we're doing what we're doing. And, and I think if we can all come together, we're going to learn, we're going to grow together. Uh, look forward to having Journey out there. Look forward, of course, to you and Mark being on the agenda and speaking. Uh, as always, Penny, great having you on the podcast. Great to see you. Look forward to seeing you in March. Great to see you. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Shift with Ross Marino. Please visit humanfirst.live to learn more. The show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results.